So last week we started a, a new series called On the Road Again. Uh, and we're going to spend some time digging into our, our church's vision at Northwest, uh, that we are a growing family journeying together to be more like Jesus. And today we're going to look at what it means uh, to be journeying together. And just like last week, I'm going to use a story. Uh, so this one is a story of my family journeying together for a three-week-long vacation out west during my sabbatical earlier this summer. Uh, we covered 6,800 miles. We went through 14 states over 19 days in a minivan. And we learned some things about journeying together along the way. <laughs> so our journey started with planning. Uh, deciding which national parks to visit. This was a national park tour type of a trip. Uh, booking hotels, mapping out our, our driving routes, researching things to do, and most importantly, places to eat. We wanted to, uh, we wanted to take on some serious hiking as part of our trip to counteract all the eating. Uh, and since our four-year-old is the clumsiest human I've ever met in my whole life, uh, we decided that it would be better for her to stay behind with her aunt for a few weeks than for her to fall off the Grand Canyon. Uh, and so she didn't come. She stayed here. Uh, we dropped her off, and we were on our way. Uh, we went through Colorado Springs, Flagstaff, Arizona, Sedona, the Grand Canyon, Scottsdale and Phoenix, Zion National Park, Bryce Canyon National Park, Glacier National Park, Yellowstone National Park, and Mount Rushmore on the way home. And we hiked over 60 miles. Uh, we took a trolley tour around Sedona. We went swimming at a natural rock water slide, which was super cool. Uh, we visited with family and friends who lived out that way. Uh, we went whitewater rafting in northern Montana. We saw tons of wild animals in Yellowstone, and we never ate at the same place twice the whole time. That's kind of my vacation rule. Don't eat where you can eat at home, and don't eat in the same place twice. You see, eating is very important uh, on vacation. Steve talks about it a lot, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the market cornered on eating. I also like to eat. And so we did that a lot on vacation, and I learned some things about journeying together on that trip that I think makes sense for us as well. Uh, they make sense for our growing family in the church because we're not, we're not just a growing family of people that God brings in uh, to sit around and wait until Jesus comes back. We're a growing family that God has entrusted with a mission and a purpose. God has given us a task, and it only happens when we embrace the idea of journeying together, when we embrace the idea that we're not finished yet, that God has something for us to do and somewhere for us to go. And so this morning, I'm going to walk through two passages in the Bible that have a lot to teach us about journeying together, and I'm going to share some stories from our trip out west that help me learn the lessons that I'm going to pull out from those passages. So a little different from the way that I've usually preached, so we'll see if this works. The first passage we're going to look at is in 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 3. God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, 
And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter starts this letter of 2 Peter by telling us that God has already given us everything we need for the journey. He says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life, is the way Peter puts it. And specifically, uh, it says that God has given us his great and precious promises and that he's invited us to participate in his divine nature. And listen, we don't become God uh, or, or, or like merge with the deity in some like new agey kind of way. That's not what Peter means by participate in the divine nature. Uh, he means that we have the Holy Spirit living in us, uh, living in our hearts so that we can start to embody some of the qualities that we see in God. Things like holiness and compassion and grace. And then we're told in verse 5 to make every effort. Peter says this twice in this passage, that God gives us the power to live a godly life. God gives us what we're gonna need, but we won't actually live that godly life unless we make every effort. God gives us what we need, and then we make every effort to, to take advantage of the things that God has given us uh, and live a godly life. The journey requires God's power and our effort. When we were planning our vacation, we knew that we were going to have to find a new van uh, to fit five adult-sized people uh, and handle all those miles. And we looked and prayed for a while, uh, and God provided what we needed. Uh, it was a used van. It was in our price range. It seemed to be in great shape. And so we bought it, and we started driving it around town, and it was great. It was only five years old. Um, it's the nicest and newest car that, that Sarah and I have ever owned in our marriage. We've never bought a, a brand new car, so five years old used was the nicest car we've ever had. Um, and man, it was great. And then two months later, after we've been driving around town for two months, about four weeks before we were supposed to leave on this massive road trip out west, uh, we noticed that the new van was getting kind of jerky when it shifted gears in the automatic transmission. And, uh, and my mechanic confirmed the thing I was worried about the most. It needed a new transmission. Awesome. I thought, oh, I got this great deal on this used car. No, I didn't. So that was an expensive uh, addition to our vacation, and it I actually didn't end there. Uh, our first day after driving 14 hours to Colorado Springs, I noticed when we got there that one of the tires looked a little bit low. And so I put air in it when we got gas, uh, but it kept happening. Every, every couple of days, uh, I would come out, and it wasn't flat, but the, it was like, man, that tire looks low again. <laughs> and, and we had to fill the tire with air. And after about a week of doing that, I finally broke down and took the van into the tire shop uh, where I was told that all four tires needed to be replaced, not just the one I was noticing. Um, so that happened. And then when we were driving through Arizona and, and Nevada and Utah, it, was, it got over 110 degrees more than once. And I had to add some engine coolant to the van. I had to stop at a Walmart and buy a big jug of engine coolant just to keep the van happy. Because man, that's hot, right? We liked that van. 
God provided exactly what we were looking for. That's what we've been looking for for months. But I definitely had to make every effort to keep that van running safely for all those miles on that trip. Um, I had to put a lot of me into the vehicle in order to make sure we were safe. God has given us everything we need for the journey, but we have to make every effort to use what he's given us, to make the most of what he's given us if we want to grow. And Peter goes on to tell us to use our effort to add these seven virtues to our faith. So starting with faith, like steps in a staircase, we move towards spiritual growth. And listen, there, there's no, it's not specific, the order of these aren't specific, the way that Peter's writing this. Um, it's not that you have to have this in order to get this and in order to get this. It's not sequential. It's just the idea of make sure we are adding all of these different virtues, all these different values. So starting with faith, we work to add goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Faith, faith is our starting point, but real faith doesn't let us just sit back content. Real faith pushes us to, to go further and grow closer to God. And so we add goodness, uh, which, which is kind of a generic word for morality, uh, for, for the idea of developing a sense of right and wrong, uh, and then a, a desire to choose the right instead of the wrong. Uh, so that's what goodness is in the Bible. And then we add knowledge, which is also a pretty broad word, knowledge. Um, it's probably, the way Peter's using it, it's probably not basic knowledge about God, like hearing about him for the first time, because Peter assumes we already have faith, that we're starting with faith, so we, we probably have a basic knowledge. Uh, Peter probably means that, that it's like an ability to discern God's will and adjust my life to it. Uh, that we have this knowledge of what God wants and the way God wants me to live. Um, and, and so that's probably what he means by knowledge. And, and then we add self-control, uh, which is a fruit of the spirit uh, that, that helps us avoid falling into temptations. Uh, that that self-control helps us battle the constant attraction to sinful pleasure, the constant pull toward, back towards sin. Um, but then kind of the other side of the self-control coin is perseverance, the, the next one uh, that Peter lays out, because uh, perseverance helps us to handle our constant frustration with our difficult circumstances. Self-control helps us deal with a constant pullback towards sin, and perseverance helps us handle our constant frustration when life is hard. And I saw the importance of perseverance on our trip. <laughs> Every time we went out hiking in particular, I saw the importance of perseverance. And I learned something about perseverance in our journey together. I learned that everyone moves at different speeds on the trail. And that's okay. There were times when each of us was leading. There were times when each of us was bringing up the rear. There were things that got in the way of us moving very quickly, things like blisters, things like heights and exhaustion and heat, uh, things like animals. More than once, we had animals blocking our path. Uh, we had, th and, and definitely a lot of times, unsure footing slowed us down and, and we didn't go quite as fast as we expected to go uh, on our walk, on our hike. And we tried to be prepared, um, you know, as you do, we try to be prepared for whatever we might face. Uh, some days we carried sunscreen, other days we carried bear spray, no joke. That's expensive, by the way, anyway. We always wore good shoes. We always packed lots of water and snacks. Uh, but no matter how prepared we were, uh, unexpected things still happened on our trip. A lot of the trails that we hiked had really steep climbs. Uh, and we all took those climbs at our own pace. And we stopped to rest when we needed to. 
My, <laughs> my kids are laughing over here because they remember. Perseverance means getting through hard times. And, and listen, everyone moves at different speeds through hard circumstances, and that's okay. There are times when it makes sense to take life slow. And there are times when it makes sense to power through the thing that you're facing right now. But listen, it's okay for other people to grow in Christ at different speeds. It's okay if I'm not, if I'm not picking this stuff up as fast as you are. That's okay. And it's okay for you to take things slowly when life gets hard. That's okay. I don't know if you need to hear that this morning, but God is okay with the speed that you're walking toward him as long as you keep walking toward him. God is okay with your, with, with your speed on the journey as long as you're continuing toward the correct destination. And so after perseverance, we, perseverance, we add godliness. Godliness comes from a word in Greek that means good worship. And so godliness is about giving God glory in every area of, of my life. That's what worship is, giving God glory in every area of my life. And mutual affection is next, and that's the Greek word Philadelphia. You guys have heard that word, I think. Um, Philadelphia means brotherly love in the Greek. Uh, and so when we add mutual affection, uh, we are committing to love our brothers and sisters in our growing church family. Uh, and so that's mutual affection doesn't mean like we're attracted to each other. That's goofy and weird. But mutual <laughs> affection is that we commit that we love our siblings in our church family, right? Um, and, and, and finally, the last one, adding, adding love, adding this agape love, tops it all off with the glue that holds everything together. This, this love, uh, loving others the way God loves us. Agape love is the way that God expresses his love to us. Covenant love, uh, commitment to us. And, and Peter says that uh, we're supposed to grow in our love. Uh, both toward God and toward others, based on the the greatest commandments from Jesus. And verse 8 says that if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter and, and God, by extension through the Bible, expects us to be effective and productive. And Peter's telling us to make every effort so that we don't find ourselves ineffective and unproductive. None of the things Peter lists in, in this passage are new concepts. Um, to, to us, we, we all kind of understand these things, goodness and, and, and faith and, and love. Uh, many of them are fruits of the Spirit uh, that are expressed in Galatians chapter 5, where, uh, where Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit will grow these qualities in you. Um, that's true. The Holy Spirit will grow these qualities in you. All of these things are present to some degree in a believer. When you accept Christ, you accept the Holy Spirit into your heart. The Spirit begins working on these fruits of the Spirit. So we all have these in some degree. But listen, some isn't enough. Now, I'm not saying some isn't enough for God to approve of you or for salvation. God loves you. When you accept Jesus, you're saved. So you're not earning salvation. But the thing is, a lot of times in the church, in the family, we become content with where we are spiritually. That we're okay. We get to a point where we're like, I'm okay with, with, you know, with my relationship with God right in this moment, and I think I'm fine. And Peter would say that, that our, these virtues need to be ever-increasing, that we never actually arrive at a point where we're just done. Not this side of heaven anyway. And so some's not enough. We, we need to continue uh, to grow. We have to possess these qualities in increasing measure, which means we're never finished. 
We're never finished growing. We're constantly moving toward this goal of, of more spiritual growth. We're constantly journeying. That's the word we've, we've chosen to use for it here. Journeying is a process, uh, and it's never finished on this side of heaven. The, the Bible calls it walking with God. Um, that idea is used about 300 times in Scripture to describe the journey, to describe this idea that we're moving, that, that we interact with God and, and we're making progress toward a destination that God sets for us. It's not, a, it's not an aimless wandering around. It's a, a purposeful one. It's a walk that's controlled and directed and enduring. And God gives us what we need for the journey, remember? And then he asks us to make every effort. God gives us what we need and then he says, okay, now go. Now, now set out on the path and start. And sometimes that's all God gives us. Like with Abraham, you remember God with Abraham? He says, leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you eventually. God didn't give Abraham any more than that initially. He's like, all right, here's, here are the instructions. Pack it all up and start traveling. Abraham's like, where? God's like, I'll show you. What do I put in the GPS? <laughs> what direction should I start in? God's like, don't worry, I'll show you. And Abraham's like, this is stressful, right? It's, it's not all that important to God that we know where we're going or how we're going to get there. Laying out all the plans for us to be comfortable is not all that important to God historically. The thing that's important to God is that we trust him enough to get up and go when he asks, to go on the journey. And so once we embrace the process and we decide to go on the journey, God uses all sorts of unexpected things to change us. I think that's one of the reasons God doesn't lay out his plans all at once, all at the beginning, is because God likes to throw some little unexpected twists and turns into our journey where we think it's one way, and God's like, no, I have something to teach you. Um, actually, go this way. And there's a lot of unexpected things that happen, and God uses them uh, to teach us. I didn't expect to stop our van for 20 minutes on the road into Yellowstone uh, to let 50, no joke, 50 bison uh, cross the river and then up across the road uh, in front of our car. But I'm glad I stopped, first of all. <laughs> and, and secondly, it was super cool. It was really cool to be able to watch that and see. And, and listen, I'm not saying that God like directed us to be a little late this, that morning, but we were a little late that morning for when I planned to leave and we would have missed it. God had something in mind. It was unexpected and it was really cool. I didn't expect to have to stop around literally every single turn on the going to the sun road at Glacier National Park. But the beauty was so incredible, I couldn't keep driving because I was going to drive off a cliff looking at a mountain. <laughs> and so we had to stop again and again and again so that we would be safe <laughs> while we were looking at the scenery and we would get out and take it all in. And, and listen, the, a journey has a destination. That's kind of what makes it a journey, but, but you never know how the things you meet along the way might change you. And so God is asking us to trust the process, that there is a process that he has in mind for us toward growth on this journey, and it's going, there are going to be things that are unexpected that you didn't see coming, but you, if you're, if, if you're looking carefully, can see God in those things, usually later. Usually it's looking back, you can see God. In the moment, you're like, all these bison, come on, I got a schedule. And then later I'm like, actually, that was pretty cool. And so God calls us to journey, but he never intended for us to travel alone. We're called to journey 
together. And that's where our second Bible passage comes in today. This one's from Ephesians chapter 4. I know I'm not supposed to have favorites, but this is one of my favorite passages in in all of the Bible. Um, And we're going to start in verse 1. But we're going to take this, instead of reading the entire thing, we're going to take this piece at a time. So starting in verse 1. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, Paul was in prison, again, you know. (laughs) As a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. The word for live a life that the NIV uh, throughout the Bible translates life, uh, literally this is the word for walk in Greek. So Paul is saying walk worthy of our calling. It's journey language. It's movement language. Um, Walk in a way that's worthy of what God has called you to. A walk that Paul says is defined by humility and gentleness and patience. And, and I love bearing with one another. Like literally putting up with each other in love. Isn't that the best thing ever in the Bible? That like Paul's like, listen, God wants you to put up with each other. <laughs> and sometimes that's all we can do. Sometimes that's all I have in me. She's like, I'm just going to put up with each other today. That's all, that's all I've got the energy for, right? Put up with each other in love. And the key to all four of those things, the key to all that stuff in verse two, every single one of those things, we need to get rid of something to be able to, be able to do it well. To have humility, we have to get rid of our self-importance and our self-centeredness. To have gentleness, we have to get rid of our, our tendency toward harshness or even violence sometimes. To have patience, we have to get rid of our agendas and and constantly sticking to the schedule. That was something I learned on our trip as well. I had to get rid of my agenda. Every single day, our schedule ended up differently than I expected. And and to have the kind of love that puts up with other people, we have to get rid of demanding our rights. That one's tough. I mean, they're all tough. But in the world that we live in right now, demanding our rights is the thing. And and God says, listen, put up with one another in love. Don't don't demand your rights when they interfere with what others need. And this isn't the kind of walk that you can take alone. I mean, you can't really be gentle or patient by yourself. These types of qualities assume that we're around other people. The, The journey must be something we're supposed to do together. And you might like to travel in a certain way, but when you travel together, you have to accommodate other people. And my family will tell you, and honestly, anyone who, any student who's ever been on a, on a trip with me to a CIY will tell you, I hate, despise, stopping for bathroom breaks. I hate it. It is a waste of time. We stop for gas, because it's pretty essential. We stop for food, because I mean, come on, it's food. And you can fit a bathroom. Gas stations have bathrooms. Restaurants have bathrooms. You can fit a bathroom break in on one of those stops. I have an iron bladder. I don't know if you know this about me. This is overshare time. So even today, I'm 40 years old. Even today, I can go seven or eight hours uh, without needing a bathroom before I need to stop. Um, Back when I was younger, uh, and listen, it's not just me. I've trained my family. We work on this. 
The girls are still learning, but we're, we work on this. <laughs> when we were younger, when we were young, this isn't in my notes. When we were younger, Sarah and I made it from Detroit to Atlanta without using a bathroom. 12 hours, baby. But when... <laughs> So yeah, my sister, this isn't my whole family. This is just my family. This doesn't extend to the extended family, the iron bladder thing. When we journey together though, listen, we take others into consideration and we stop for a bathroom. <laughs> I, I've learned that lesson, right? Not so much with my family because man, they are incredible at this. But like when I go on a youth, a youth group trip with, with you know, student, a bunch of students in a 15 passenger van, um, we stop for bathrooms. It doesn't mean I'm thrilled about it. But, but we accommodate one another uh, and stop for bathrooms. Uh, we don't journey exactly the way that I want to because it's not just about me, right? Our journey is together. So back in Ephesians verse three, make every effort. Oh, there it, is, there it is again. Peter used it twice. Now Paul uses the same thing. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So there it is again, make every effort. In verse two, uh, or I'm sorry, in Second Peter, we make every effort to grow in our virtues and these, these different things that Peter is stacking one on, the, one on the other. And here in Ephesians, we make every effort to have unity in the spirit. Together, we have this common experience in Christ's body. We have a common source of power in the spirit. We have a common hope in a future that God has promised us. We share the same Lord and master. We share the same gospel message to believe. We share the same commitment to follow Jesus in obedience. We are stronger together than we are alone. Unity is important. And we learned this lesson over and over again on vacation when we pushed each other to do things that we didn't think we could do. Like the day we hiked down into the Grand Canyon. It was 97 degrees that day. And the path was dry and dusty. It hadn't rained there in weeks. And it was steep. We'd already walked about three miles along the rim, which was really cool and beautiful, but it was really because I parked in the wrong parking lot. And so we walked three miles along the rim just to get to the trail that I intended to take that day. And we were planning to hike down another three miles into the canyon before we turned around to come back. And so listen, three miles down is different than just three miles. Three miles up is different than three miles down. And so we were planning on three miles. We were on the Bright Angel Trail. I don't know if you've been to the Grand Canyon, but this will give you a little context where we were. Uh, this is the second time in my life I've been on this trail, by the way, but that's a story for another time. Uh, and this trail is only six feet wide or so with the canyon rock on one side. And for most of it, 80% of the time, a sheer drop off on the other side. No railings, none of that stuff. Uh, most of the time, not even like, like rocks, just air right? And, and not a real wide path. And, uh, and so this is our hike. Didn't take long. Uh, this is one of the first big hikes that we did. We hiked around uh, Garden of the Gods in Colorado Springs, which was, which was cool, but it wasn't like way up in the air. And so this was kind of one of the first scary hikes we did. Uh, and it didn't take long to discover that more than one of us was a bit uneasy with the heights. But together, we hiked on. We kept going. We encouraged each other, and we kept going. And about a half mile down, my son Ethan's nose started to bleed. And you can't see 
just how much blood there was. There was so much. It, it was, I mean, both sides, just unstoppable. And by the, by the time we found a place to step off the path, because listen, the path most of the time was just sheer cliff and drop off and people going both up and down. And so we had to keep going to find a place to kind of st- stop and, and go off to the side. By the time we stopped, it looked like there had been a stabbing. It, it just, it looked like a crime scene, uh, honestly. And, and it, took, it took Sarah and Izzy and a park ranger that happened to be passing by. Uh, it took them at least 10 minutes just to slow it down. And the ranger advised us in her infinite wisdom to turn back. But we were torn. We had a plan, you see. And plans are important to me. And so we decided to split up. Uh, Sarah and Seth started back up the trail and Ethan and Izzy and I continued down. Don't ask me why the kid who lost all that blood decided to keep going, uh, but I left it up to him. It was his call. And so we decided to keep going down. Uh, we only made it about half as far as I wanted to that day. We made it about a mile and a half down into the canyon. Uh, and the climb back up was brutal. But even though we split up, we all relied on one another to make it through that day. That day where we hiked more than 10 miles, uh, and some of it, a good portion of it, was just felt like just straight up. We were just like rock climbing that day. We were stronger together than we would have been alone. Together we were stronger, even though we split up, because we didn't send anybody off on their own. You know, Ethan's like, I want to keep going. Like, oh, well, see you later. You know, no, we, we, stay, we split up into two groups, and we were still together. We were still encouraging. And Paul goes on in verse 7. To, to point out that we're stronger together when we recognize and celebrate our individual gifts and diversity. That our unity is stronger when we recognize the diversity that God's given us. He says, to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So God calls us to journey together, but we do that when we each offer our unique gifts. Inside of our unity, grace is given so that each person has a different responsibility. Unity is strengthened by diversity and variety. We all have opinions and political views and ideas about how the world should work, but unity doesn't mean that we make everyone else think and act just like we do. You are not the standard that God's people are journeying toward. We're not a growing family journeying together to be more like me. I was reminded of this. The very first day of our trip, at the end of our 14-hour car ride, we were all tired, and the drive was taking forever, and so I asked the teenagers in the van to play some music on Spotify. And so they started playing some music on Spotify, and I did not like most of it, (laughs) if I'm being honest. And I was vocal about how bad I thought it was. And they were hurt. They kept picking songs and asking if I liked them, and I kept mocking those songs without mercy. 
and I broke my kids. I didn't understand what happened until we got to the hotel and Sarah and I went out to the grocery store. My wife calmly explained to me, calmly because I was not calm, calmly explained to me that the kids were playing songs for me that meant a lot to them. And they wanted to share them with me and include me. And when I mocked their music, it felt a lot like I was mocking them and rejecting them and telling them that the things they liked were stupid. And I realized I was wrong. I was wrong to do that. And I owed them an apology, which I gave when I got back to the hotel. And, and, and listen, that was not the last time I apologized to my kids on this trip because I messed up a lot. I put my foot in my mouth all the time, especially around my family, especially around the people that know me the best. And that's part of the journey. They don't turn their backs on me. I don't turn my back on them. We, we put it back together and we keep journeying. So I gave them that apology. And that night I was reminded about how important it is in a family to celebrate our differences instead of trying to force everyone else to be just like us. God gives each of us unique gifts and abilities to, to bring with us on our journey together. And we need to value them and celebrate our diversity because our diversity is what equips us for ministry. You know, when Peter talks about being effective and productive, this is what he means. Verses 11 through 16 form one long run-on sentence in the original Greek. Paul hated punctuation, I think, is all it was. And so he has one huge run-on sentence uh, with two big ideas. The ministry that takes place in the body and the maturity that comes as a result. So here it is, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Everyone is responsible for building up God's family. We've all received grace for ministry and we are all challenged to live a life worthy of our calling. Paul lists four areas of leadership that, that some people in the church are called to, and their main responsibility is to equip everyone to serve, not to do the service for everyone. And, and as I had to keep reminding myself on our trip, it's okay to let others drive. I usually do most of the driving, but this time we had two teenagers with driver's permits who needed hours and practice on the road. And in order for them to get behind the wheel... I had to move to the passenger seat. Would have been very awkward if I had stayed in the driver's seat. <laughs> I had to move. I had to move aside. Not out of the car. Not to the back. That's where Sarah went. I had to, I had to move to the passenger seat. By choice. I didn't make her go to the back. Journeying together means helping one another recognize God's call to ministry and develop our gifts side by side as we serve each other and our community. God gives gifts to his people and then God gives his people as gifts to his church. 
And the goal of all of this is to grow into maturity so that we're not being tossed back and forth by the changes in our culture or, or blown here and there by politics or each new idea that we hear. By speaking the truth in love to one another and to the world, we grow up to be more like Jesus. That phrase, speaking the truth in love, literally means truthing in love. On our journey together, truth is a verb. Truth is something we do. We're called to to speak and live the truth of the gospel, and we're called to do it in loving ways. Truthing in love is both the way that we grow to be more like Jesus and the result of becoming more like Jesus. It's both. And our journey is a lifelong process that requires God's power and our every effort. And our journey is shared together through our unity in relationships and our diversity in giftedness for service inside and outside the church. Let's pray together. God, we don't always know where you're, where, where you're leading us, where you're taking us. We don't, we don't know where this journey is going to go. We have an idea of what you want from us in the end, but in the meantime, we don't know what direction to take all the time. So Father, may we trust you. When you call us to to pack and go, may we trust that, that you know what's coming, that you have things under control, that we have things to learn and ways to grow. And Father, I just pray that uh, we would trust, uh, trust you on the journey and also to trust one another along this journey. That we would be uh, empowered to take this journey together with our, our growing family in Christ. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. So every, every week at Northwest, we take communion together as a reminder that, that we're together on this journey to be more like Jesus. Um, and, and even though it doesn't, it's, it, you don't always know where you're headed or what God's doing. You can trust that you're never lost on this journey. Uh, when God freed his people from slavery in Egypt and led them out to the promised land, it, it probably seemed like they were lost and wandering around aimlessly, but God knew what he was doing. God chose their route and their timing, and, and God made the journey with his people and provided for their needs. He, he led the way in a, a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. He parted the Red Sea so his people could continue their journey toward freedom and promise. And and God sent his son to take on human flesh and blood and show us the way. So we take communion to remember that Jesus sacrificed his flesh and blood to save us, to forgive our sins, to lead us to freedom and promise. And we take it together as a reminder that we don't journey alone. So the communion packet is under your chair. Um, You can get yours now. His body given for us, his blood poured out for our sins. So here's what it comes down to. God has called us all to engage in a lifelong process of spiritual growth toward maturity. And Northwest, we call it journeying. And God has provided his Holy Spirit in us and a growing family around us so we never have to journey alone. Let's sing one more song this morning as we're dismissed.